Part 1. Committed Love Chapter 1. Suffering, the Crucible for Love Suffering is the crucible for love. We don't learn how to love anywhere else. Don't misunderstand, suffering doesn't create love, but it is a hothouse where love can emerge. Why is that? The great barrier to love is ego, the life of the self. In long-term suffering, if you don't give in to self-pity, slowly, almost imperceptibly, self dies. This death of self offers ideal growing conditions for love. So, not surprisingly, this book on love, the Book of Ruth, begins with the descent of Naomi's family into a crucible of suffering. Naomi had a dream. It was a simple dream of a husband, children, and grandchildren. With a few deft strokes, the narrator paints the death of that dream, the death of her entire family. Suffering sneaks up on her, tragedy on tragedy. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Kilian died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Ancient readers would have been intrigued and possibly troubled by the family's move to Moab. The Moabites were the hillbilly cousins of the Israelites, the result of an incestuous relationship between Lot and one of his daughters. Mo means who, and Ab means father. So Moab, reflecting its murky origin, is the land of who's your daddy? Bad blood grew between the cousins. When the Israelites tried to pass through Moab on the way to Canaan, the Moabite king opposed them by bribing the prophet Balaam to prophesy against them. When that backfired, the women of Moab seduced the Israelite men. The Israelites regularly called Chemosh, the Moabite god, filth or loathsome. One day Yahweh would crush Chemosh in a pit of manure. Isaiah chapter 25 verses 10 and 11. Moab meant trouble, and trouble is what the family found in Moab. Naomi's losses would be staggering for any culture, but in the ancient Near East, for a mother to lose not only her husband but also her sons was the epitome of suffering. A leading management consultant posed this hypothetical situation to American men. Your mother, your wife, and your daughter are all in a sinking boat, and you can rescue only one of them. Who do you rescue? Sixty percent would rescue their daughter and forty percent their wife. All would leave the mother adrift. Sorry, moms. The consultant then posed the same question to Saudi men, and every one of them said they would rescue their mother. Why? In the traditional cultures of the Near East, mothers have no identity outside the home. Their daughters marry and leave while their sons remain, forging a powerful mother-son bond. Their sons are their life. Naomi has lost her life. 
she has entered into a living death. For we see a sharp line between death and life, the Hebrews saw a gradation. Living outside of Israel, the promised land, is already a partial death. Now, with the death of her husband and two sons, Naomi's life is functionally over. It no longer has meaning or purpose. If you have experienced deep, sustained suffering, then you know Naomi's frame of mind. Death would be a relief. You might not commit suicide, but if your life ended, you wouldn't care. Naomi's tragedy is a series of downward steps. First, Elimelech dies, but hope is not lost because her two sons find Moabite wives, and their sons could carry on the family name. But the two wives, Ruth and Orpah, are barren, so Naomi has no grandsons to carry on Elimelech's name. That is the heart of Naomi's tragedy. The death of her two sons seals that tragedy.